You are listening to Down Home. There is no greater responsibility than being a parent. Raising children in this world is not an easy task. The harsh reality is that the systems that make Canada run were not built with people of color in mind. So preparing a black child to maneuver their way in this country comes with its own set of challenges. The Down Home Podcast invites Joshua Scribe Walkis to talk about how he uses his craft of written words to navigate anti-blackness in his book, Black Blossom Harsh North, a collection of 14 poems to his daughter and seven poems to Canada. Welcome to Down Home, the Nova Scotian experience from two black men. I am Derek Wise, and as always, we have Jay Jones. What's happening, y'all? Our conversation this week, we have uh, a returning guest, Joshua Scribe Watkins. Uh, Scribe, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank y'all for having me back. Oh, thank you for coming back, man. Now, now we wanted to have you back because you had mentioned your, your book, Black Blossom Harsh North, uh, which for for our readers that that might not know, uh, consists of 14 poems to your daughter and seven letters to Canada. Um, We wanted to have you back to kind of talk to us about that. Now, the the format is really interesting. Uh, What was your inspiration for writing the book in that format? Um, It was, I think it was twofold. And I, I get into it kind of at the beginning of the book. I wrote it, um, the beginning and then the midsection of the book. I watched my daughter be born. And I remember the, the first kind of overwhelming set of thoughts after, you know, you've, you've processed everything. You realize that like your child is here. My first thought was I'm not allowed to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, until I teach her everything that she needs to know. Yeah. Um, and in that first thought, I had the realization that like, I have uh, a black child. Mm. I have a child who I'm going to need to protect and, and raise wary of the, of the world around her um, and give her the information she needs to survive it. Uh, and in my discussions with my um so I have, I have two fathers. I have my stepfather. I have my biological father. Um, and my, my stepfather, in the, um, in the months before my daughter was born, I was having conversations with him about, about that. Um, and I obviously hadn't realized the full weight before my daughter was here, but he, he let me know something early on. And it was, you can give your children all the tools you need to fight racism. Um, You can warn them, you can make them articulate, you can give them intelligence, you can give them, you know, the wisdom and the knowledge and the history. But at the end of the day, if you don't take the fight to the system, if you don't disarm the system and the, not just the, not just the racists or the people that are prejudiced, but the system itself, if you don't do the work to dismantle that, you're really only giving your kids 30% of the battle. Uh, and so the real work is as an adult, uh, as a parent, to step in the gap and start to do the work that you can to break those things apart by whatever means you have, because that's the only way you're really going to save your child. Otherwise, they're going to just fight the same battles that you fought with more awareness than you started with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talking about parenting, like... um I have two kids, as most of our listeners know, because I talk about my kids every now and then. But um, like one of the lessons that I kind of try to impart on my kids is um, to try and keep in mind that when they're out in the world, they kind of they're representing our family, our community, even our ethnicity. Um, Talk a little bit about the the pressure 
that you might feel of uh, of providing that example when you know things aren't things aren't what they used to be in in like maybe like community and things of that 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 nature i don't know i'm of i'm of the i'm of the wheelhouse of thought that like we we do our best to be our best self so like representing your family is huge and representing your community is huge i think um when we when we put that on i think i don't i don't subscribe to representing our ethnicity not because we don't Mm -hmm. um but because i think the 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 pressure that comes with trying to be a positive representation of what is based in negativity in our culture is just too much weight really too much weight you think so? yeah yeah i think like the the world is built on or at least the the colonial western world is built on black people being the antithesis for everything Mm. you like when we look at other uh when we look at other groups uh that are of color their bottom of the barrel standards are us that's what white supremacy puts into place yeah um when the reality of our situation is that like nothing in this society exists without our labor without mm-hmm. our skilled work without mm-hmm. our intelligence <clears throat> the when we look at like how uh, i was just on vacation in the south and something that my my stepfather instilled in me was that the economy of the south was built by the skilled labor of enslaved black people yeah white people weren't building anything their intelligence wasn't putting anything together they weren't the architectural geniuses. They weren't welders. They weren't blacksmiths. They didn't farm. They didn't do any of that work. And all of that genius and, and economic spine comes from the the glorious work of our people, right? And so to to put the weight on on myself to be like, I need to be a, a positive representation um, for my ethnicity. Versus my community, which I think is different. I think like there's a community it of black is different. here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So like in the the black community in my city, I think I need to be a positive example for because there's so much going on here mm. and so many so many opportunities to not do the right thing because of the positions we're placed in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's important that young people have the opportunity to look at somebody and be like, they're doing a different thing with their lives. Um, yeah. There's there's more possibility um for me mm-hmm. i want i want i want young people to be able to look at my life and say or young black people to look at my life especially young black boys and be like if that's where he can be i can be there too yeah um if that's what he can make of himself i can make that of myself too but i'm not necessarily concerned with the rest of the perception of of the world around us because like they're they're trained to hate us from they come out the womb just mm. like they train us, to, just yeah. like they train us to hate ourselves, and mm. so I'm not, I'm not concerned with trying to change their minds unless it's about how they think about themselves, so that they can think about us properly. Yeah, yeah. fair enough, fair enough. A uh, side note, side note, because something kind of that you said kind of tweaked something in my mind there. Um, the um, it's it's kind of a historical thing, like you mentioned about, and and I'm I've I've been deep in kind of researching the economic impact that our people have made in North America mm-hmm. over the last little while, and like you saying that uh, our people have have built have have provided um, you know uh, not only skilled labor but um, a lot of the brains behind innovation when it came to farming and whatnot. Um, in, in especially in the su- southern states, um, the the concept of reparations, right? Mm. Everyone has different views on that, but it's kind of coming to a head, and especially in some southern states like mm. California. California is still a southern state, but especially in California, right? Uh, what are your yeah. thoughts on that? Man, it's necessary. It's necessary. I think you can't you can't set back a group of people nearly 500 years economically Mm. um and 
then when the time comes for that to be acknowledged in mm. history, not do the economic work to to make that right. I think um, the I think the highest point for me mm. is like we we talk about like how there's economic disparity in in black communities, and that's not by coincidence, and it's not just by things like redlining or um, keeping keeping groups in poverty through over-policing. It's things like harnessing communities that, thr- that thrive and actually built an economic base. Um, things that were continuously taken from us, even as we built them. Um, and so once you, know, you turn communities on their head completely and all of those leaders are phased out of community, the people need payback. Mm. And not like in a violent way, but like we literally need payback yeah our there's no there's no insurance coverage given to us for the things we built yeah. and that were destroyed and then the actual equitable labor i talk about this um specifically with jamaicans all the time um my i look at my family tree uh and i've been thinking about this a lot since uh elizabeth died um my mother was born into destitute poverty my grandmother was um, given up at birth and born into destitute poverty. Mm. My great grandmother, who was still alive, who had to give up my grandmother, was born into destitute poverty. Uh, and all of their lives, they paid taxes to the UK, yeah. to the British government, whether they were here or whether they were in Canada and part of the Commonwealth giving back their dues. And I think about all of the nothing that England has done with that money for our people. Mm-hmm. continually making back, uh, money off our slave labor through the harvesting of sugarcane and and tea and coffee yeah. and exporting all of those goods but putting none of that economic power back into the country yeah it, it's so and true. then and then we come out into these white countries and build into their uh into their economies and those that succeed my my mother and my grandmother were i'd say very economically successful people um, by the time they reached mature adulthood, um, but the the work that that took doesn't spread across to to my generation. Yeah. Even though they've made substantial advancements, that doesn't make me rich. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even make me middle class. And so mm-hmm. the the reparations in my mind is there are are I'll say it plainly: there are white children or adults now my age growing up that got to make substantial advancements because even if their ancestors were poor, they still got their legs up yeah. and didn't have to worry about the continuous undercutting. So like reparations is not just, not just necessary. It's long overdue and deserved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, um, the loss of generational wealth, I think is um, one of the largest evils that came out of, of uh, enslavement. Yeah, Definitely. all those, all yeah. those communities that uh, were thriving, like mm-hmm. Black Wall Street. There's, you know, even Africville, Nova Scotia. Yeah. yeah, people at least own their own land, and you know they they had their own businesses, and they boosted the economy. Um, and you know, and the dismantling of that is is horrible because not only the economic repercussions, but just just sort of the generational trauma that has carried along with it, you know? Yeah. And we, we also fight against that constantly. Yeah. And that, Definitely. that trauma continue like when we talk about how things are different now, I think that's the, that's the summation of hundreds of years of efforts to keep us locked in one place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eventually, eventually you break people's spirit. Yeah. And that's kind of the hardest thing to, to go through, I think as a people to have your, to have your your children not see a future for themselves mm-hmm. um, and question like, should I be here? Is yeah. there a point in my being here? Is there a point in leaving anything behind? And when the inevitable happens of those people, most of them having children, what do you then go on to teach those children, right? Yeah, yeah. James Baldwin yeah. talks about like, we do this work for the kid and that's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. Totally is. Yeah. Just one more thing before we get back to talking about your book. Um, a lot of our, a lot of 
people that may listen to this podcast might say, well, yeah, you know, reparations, how they, how are governments economically able to, to pull that off? But there are ways of doing it there, you know, the, between the U S and Canada, there's a lot of government held land that they can literally just hand over to people. Yeah. So if they actually literally just gave land as reparation as a, as a non-monetary represent uh, reparation, and mm. I mean actually give it to us, not like yeah. the Brits kind of promised and would not never do. Yeah, it was, took it back. <laughs> yeah, or, or took yeah. it back, or or yeah. didn't give us uh, land titles and all that BS. Yeah. But anyway, exactly. if they actually yeah. gave us land titles and land, um, that is uh, a viable repara- reparation in my mind. Mm-hmm. anyway mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's, it would be it would be great because it's it's the land like you said joshua man it's the land that they toiled and, and built you know and uh mm-hmm. i think that's one of the biggest things especially derek like you mentioned generational wealth man mm-hmm. um you know if families have that at least they'd have those legs to stand on and you know whatever happened after that at least they'd be in better positions in a lot of ways i think mm-hmm. Very true. I think they also the government also pays out millions, if not billions, of dollars in bailouts to companies yearly, almost. Yeah. And so, if every few years you're giving out a couple billion dollars to a corporation that can manufacture millions, or they're in deficit, you can do that to people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We true. saw that. We saw that um, with small things, even like um, like CERB. Mm. Um, when serve was happening, we saw you're able to delegate funds to people yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, individually across the country based upon their ability to work. Um, I think uh, land is land is complicated for me. I think only because of my relationship to indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, true. And in, and in Canada, I think like they, if we're gonna survive with the water we have left. Yeah, that, that they're doing the the pipelines with like indigenous people need sovereignty, but I also know that in this country, indigenous and black people have always worked together. Uh, yeah, and in in us getting land back, I know that they would. Mm-hmm. I think if we're, yeah, if, we're to, if we're to right the wrongs that are done there, especially as people who are connected to the to the earth. Mm-hmm. I know we get a lot of black people get a lot of scapegoating when we're in urban states because they're like we don't want to go to the country and we don't want to mm-hmm. work. But like we really have that active people people plant even in like um, in in housing here. There's black greenhouses ran uh, in Toronto, black owned run community greenhouses. Yeah, and like the things the things we're able to do when we have authority over land and when we have authority over um, the work of the land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that like we could build something that would not only help the country prosper, but I think all of the people here prosper. Yeah. Um, yeah. it would be of benefit for them to, to, to give us land and to give us dollars and to let us do the work we do Yeah, because it always grows. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's also, it's such a weird world in the sense of, you know, the earth is here, these resources are here and, you know, they've been here and they're all free, but it's amazing how, powers that be sort of gain control and then you know those who control the land control the food control those things you know they control the people this was like sort of a topic conversation in one of our past uh podcasts about food right and uh Mm. that's the sad state of the world of of these resources that we have are controlled by corporations and whatnot and the end goal is always monetary you know Mm. Oh, the resource that doesn't actually exist. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. Um, so with your book, um, mm-hmm. now you, you you write some uh, letters to the government, um, and this is sort of uh, are do any deal with sort of the sis- systemic uh, issues that uh, that are absolutely. still happening? Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there any examples you might want to read us? You uh, know, sure thing. Let me let me pull up. Uh, I've been I've been really focused on the I'll do the education system to the educators. Um, it's been it's been probably one of the most potent issues I've been having over the last while. 
um, the education system in Ontario was in shambles. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out, shout out Dougie boy. But the, um, the other issue we run into is that like the entire system that was basically created to make white factory workers, uh, has since become a, a chopping ground for black kids confidence. Um, and their humanity. I've had friends have to pull their 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 sons and daughters out of schools because um, they they had just racist teachers who they wouldn't discipline. And you know, Canadian racism is is sneaky and snarky and all about attitude. And so, you know, if they're not outright calling someone the N word or a monkey or something like that, they're not going to get fired. And so, that puts the work back on us. Uh, and when my daughter was in daycare. The, um, we had a we had an incident where these teachers would keep. There's only two black kids in her class. It's two black girls. They looked very different, not at all the same, and they kept sending pictures of my daughter to the other black girl's parents. What? Yeah. Oh and so her updates, and these this is daycare. This is this is not first grade. This is not kindergarten. This is daycare. Wow. Um, and when we called them out on it they're like all right we'll fix it and then it kept happening and when we brought it to the the director not the owner the owner took ownership but the director was like what do you want us to do about it and we're like they don't look the same and they're like well they do look the same like, they don't look the same they look very different their mm-hmm. skin tones their hair their facial features are different um and it just brought me back to my own childhood of how constantly i experienced racism schools so this is this is called to the educators on the drive home my wife asks our daughter a question i don't remember what the question was but in response she blurted out the words the bad daycare my stomach plummeted through the car floor and into the passage of time the organs splattering into my fifth grade skull i'm swallowed by the memory of the first time it felt like an adult hated me for no reason why she considered my best friend and I so disruptive, even in the moments we did nothing wrong. Incessant nuisances, stray dogs or pebbles in her substitute teacher's shoes. I am swept behind my own eyelids to my grade 10 English classroom. My teacher says I read well in front of the class, as she expected me to stumble through the only language I have ever spoken. She didn't like letting anyone else in my class read, and when she finally tried to volunteer me, I responded, Miss, the class isn't illiterate. When the goody two-shoes pastor wannabe turns his tongue on the teacher, the class shudders a disbelieving laugh, having never seen me lose my temper. I see the way that my skin was the difference between people in trouble and troublemakers. How in the present, it was between being seen as an individual and being constantly compared and confused by color. It is not enough that you disrupted my childhood and the childhood of all my black peers, but now you have disturbed my child's childhood before she saw the sunrise On her second birthday at two years old, I pulled my daughter from an institution that exists solely for the care of children because I could not guarantee that she was being treated truly individually. Two months after two, she says, the bad daycare and the new daycare in our back seat, and I am dragged to a realization that you are no different now than when we met. And for every day I send her to you, I risk her harm that you will teach her falsified history in the effort to blind her to the ancient, instinctive kindle of our rage, that she will be tempted to turn against herself, to ensure that administration do not become adversaries, to resent those who fall under stereotypes her people are irresponsible for. I realize I am sending her to 14 years of tyranny. Imagine choosing a career centered around the care of children and being content to fail them. Imagine a rubric being applied to your ability to apply rubrics to our transcendent childhood abilities to learn, mimic, and innovate. I say imagine because I believe most of you are delusional and imagination will help you get to my point faster. You see a teacher, a good one at least, has to care more about understanding the knowledge. They must yearn to close the chasm that lies between a child who remembers next month and an adult who is able to critically apply. I cannot believe in a country's commitment to the human tradition of molding the minds of our young if it requires me to forsake the dignity of my intelligence. I cannot trust this nation to care for knowledge when it indulges in telling all our children lies. Whoa. Oh, man. That Thank is, you for uh, that. Thank yeah, you for man, that, man. Really, 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 really powerful, mm. man. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Now, as, as a parent, like, 
And my my kids are a bit older than yours. <laughs> but um, you know, I have I have so many stories, but I your your experience with your daycare mirrors some of the experiences that we've had, you know, from daycare all the way up to grade 12 with mm -hmm. our children. Mm -hmm. And um you know, we've we sought to try to minimize that by going to the alternative uh, school systems, and mm. in some aspects it did, but you know you can't. It's it's unfortunate. I think the only true way to to completely avoid is is to bury your head in, in homeschool. Yeah, yeah, but. Um, that's not a route that we, my wife and I wanted to go. We still had, we wanted to have that socialization. And for the most part, you know, it was a, it was, we had a lot of positive yeah. going through yeah. the alternative school system, but then high school hits and you, you, there is no really good alternative high schools in Toronto. Sorry, TDSB, but that's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I'll just leave you with one story. Um, my uh and I, i'm sure we, I, i've talked to my daughter about this many times i don't think she'll mind me sharing the story but um my my daughter is very self-aware um you know mm -hmm. and she 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 amazes me she's an amazing young young woman but uh one of her favorite teachers was having this discussion with his class and um as he always did, it was kind of off topic and he kind of blurts out, you know, the United States has never had a black president. And this is, of course, you know, the children tried to correct him by, you know, what about Obama? Mm. And his response was, you know, Obama really is an African-American. But anyway, she wasn't even in the class. She caught wind of it and she went directly to him and asked for clarification. And he kind of, he minimized what he said. She felt she did not like the conversation and she escalated. She came to us first and said, no, I don't really feel comfortable with this. You know, do you guys mind if I actually take this to the vice principal and the principal? So herself, she took it. And they listened to her and they, they scheduled uh, a, a, a Zoom meeting because it was during COVID. Yeah. And the gentleman went on a year-long leave before that conversation and did not come back to the school for a year mm. yeah. to avoid mm. that conversation. Yeah. You know, um, so that, you know, kudos to her. I actually learned from her in that situation, right? Because mm -hmm. my yeah. my response would have been much different, <laughs> but a little, you know, a little bit, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Jay knows me. <laughs> Jay knows me. So yeah, it um, and it was kind of heartening to see that um, you know, I played a little little part in the upbringing of this amazing young woman. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. It sounds like you are doing the same thing, and kudos to you, man. Yeah. Well, I have good. I have good role models. I got. Yeah, I got. Uh, especially. Uh, yeah, I'll put the. I'll put the especially, and I'll reference him solely for now. Uh, you know what? I'll re I'll reference to. So Jamal Jackson Rogers, um, he was the poet laureate in Ottawa. Mm -hmm. uh, he has, I believe, four children, and watching him raise his his kids to be. De determined and strong and firm in their blackness and in their excuse me their individuality and their confidence mm -hmm. has been beautiful his i think his oldest son especially i met him at the canadian festival of spoken word in 2017 and just the poise that this this young man had at a very young age and his uh awareness his attentiveness uh his his manners he was very he was a very bright boy and so i want to sit with him and then dwayne morgan and the way he's raised his daughter egypt mm -hmm. um I've, dwayne's my mentor and to to watch egypt grow up in real time yeah. and see the the confidence that she has in herself 
mm-hmm. and that uh, he and he and Egypt's mother have worked to instill in her the the way she goes after everything, and and he includes her and and um, supports her, and the the way he doesn't shy from teaching her right. has really informed the way that I try to try to be present with my daughter yeah. mm-hmm. and every every generation gets its own level of consciousness and, and freedom fighters and awareness and as they grow and as they develop they i think you know i watched like we as we as dads have the the privilege of seeing them be the the adults we looked up to early yeah. mm-hmm. and how much more room they have to grow because we, we stand by them and we back them yeah. mm-hmm. on the things that we can't do, on the yeah. things that we can't do, we watch them do. Yeah. You know, we were, t- a lot of us were taught to keep our heads down or to yell back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these kids are learning like, no, we'll take this to the system. Yeah. And if the system doesn't work, then we'll protest the system. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do it all because we deserve to have the lives we deserve. And I think we, we show them that when we love them well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing gets done if it's not heard. Right. So. You got to at least, you got to at least talk about it. And that's why these, you know, conversations are important and, you know, kudos to both of you. I mean, like I said, Derek, I've known since I was a kid and, you know, we've grown together and I don't have children, but I watched him sort of grow as a man and sort of teach those things that we learned from our community, which, which were very strong. And the flip side of all our, our trauma that we, you know, that we can go through is also the ability to sort of be strong and persevere, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. And, and that, and that is, that is from faith because faith is very strong with, with, with our culture and our, our identity. And we learn that from past generations. So kudos to both of you for, teaching that to your your children man so um thank you yeah now what other uh systemic issues do you think uh the government has <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean that was a there was an open-ended question but uh, you know i mean through and through man there the problem with with this country um and i try to explain it to to z in this book is it like it's not just government systems um it's systemic culture too Mm -hmm. down from from the from the political halls to the the interpersonal i think like i I try to explain as best as i can like this the whole thing is corrupt if you have to build something doing evil things the whole thing is bad Mm um and you know, there's there's times and places where you don't have choice. So, like, I I don't like living on the the land of people that were slaughtered. I don't like living on on in a, in a space where you know I have to deal with colonialism as a legacy. But if I don't participate, for me, I die, right? Mm-hmm. And my family dies. Mm-hmm. But at the inception of something. There, there were choices to be made, and for hundreds of years, these choices keep being made. So, like when you, when you take children and culturally whitewash them, and then don't give them back to their parents, fundamentally, that's bad. Yeah. Um, and that happened in indigenous, it happened to indigenous communities, and it's happening to Black communities now, with, um, with the foster care system, right? Where, and so, like the way that they care for children isn't right, and then the way that they institute education, but then won't tell the correct history of the, the country, isn't right. Um, I remember I had to learn about I learned about slavery in Canada because my dad read my social studies homework in fifth or sixth grade, and he said that's not true. Mm-hmm. And so he took me yeah. to chapters and had to teach me the real history of the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I spent my entire childhood angry, and so the education is twisted. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at Parliament's economic decisions, and they're willing to harm the communities uh, that aren't metropolitan and white to get oil and whatever resources they need or to build houses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that model is corrupt and systemic and evil. And like all of it, at the end of the day, comes back to 
the dollar being of higher value than the human being. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, very much so. Um, and you know, whatever the expense is, they're willing to to pay it to keep this machine running that is going at the end of the day to wipe us out. Yeah. Um, not just black people, not just indigenous people, uh, not just immigrants from from Asia or from Eastern Europe, but the the Western Eurocentric people as well. It's all harm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a system that requires harm to operate isn't a good system. Mm. And so I think I'm trying to deconstruct that. Um, but then even culturally, we look at what it allows, like politeness being valued over um, honesty and truth. Um, we look at the issues on the TTC and the infrastructure there. People are more concerned about you know, uh, a rail extending than people having another place to sleep. Yeah. People are more extended about, more worried about wait times uh, than, you know, the violence that's happening. And now that the violence is spilling over in the media, that's yeah. been happening for years. Yeah. Um, people are, are concerned, but like, that's what happens when you don't give people houses and you're more concerned about building shopping centers that close at 10 p.m. and don't give anybody somewhere warm to stay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the whole thing, the whole thing is built with cracks for people to fall through and no intention to patch them up except to cover them up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, when, when justice isn't a, when justice isn't real in a place, when fairness and equity are our secondary values, when, um, when, when a country is literally built on genocide, can't be a good country, Mm. can't be morally good. Uh, when countries built on slavery and owning human beings, it can't be good. Um, when when you have to when you look at a at a, at a country that's supposed to be uh, everybody's equal, and I mean like sorry for catching strays to the the better of the bad guys, but like our prime minister participated in blackface, yeah, and still has a job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's still and it's still generally viewed popularly by most of his his base. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. because his opposition are Nazi sympathizers. And so like they have no yeah. they're no good. Yeah, it's the the lesser the that. lesser of two evils, right? You know? Yeah, and, and yeah. it's pretty awful evils. And so mm-hmm. um I think if if this country were to have a conscience, uh, and I don't believe it does, I think the the main issue is that it won't if it if it was to say we did terrible things to build a good place undo some of the terrible work Mm. we talked about reparations um being a thing that's part of undoing some of that awful work because you go to the hoods in toronto you go to the hoods in ottawa you go to the hoods that are now developing in in places like brampton yeah and, and mississauga and i assume you go to you fly out west and you walk down East Hastings in Vancouver and the absolute destitution you see, that's all the fallout from this good country having the resources it needs, but it took those things. Yeah. And it never gave them back. And so yeah. I think um I think to that to that earlier point of reparation is the the country is built on a flaw. Um and that flaw is irreversible greed and mm-hmm. so um unimaginable generosity would be the only thing that could repair yeah. that system yeah, yeah. no I, I agree like um if you look at the atlantic slave trade and slavery as a whole people say oh these evil people these e-. it was an economic system yeah yeah and exactly. it was it was built in that fashion because it made uh the dominant uh, ethnicity, the dominant people, white people, and they made them a lot of money. Money, yep. Right? Yep. And that's why it uh, existed for so long. And that's why they want to keep the status quo, right? You know, because they want that money. (laughs) And, you know, you have people that are considered and start to think lesser than, you know, they're the people that you can divide and conquer and get to do your dirty work to fill your system that you built to, benefit you you know mm-hmm. so um since the murder of uh george floyd in 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 2020 
a lot of the money sort of a lot of money has been thrown around into anti black racism initiatives now do yeah. you think uh that is making a difference in in some of these topics that we're talking about um i want to be careful with my answer yeah i want to be careful with my answer i think it's done a lot to bring for younger people so that's what i'm going to say it's mm-hmm. done a lot for younger people to bring conversations to the forefront and it it did it for a time I think this is one of the things I talk about with like people having their spirits broken um, because we're so apathetic. We don't expect the system to change. Uh, and so these, these companies um, and there's mass reports of this going on where like they, all, they did diversity hires in 2020 and now there's a bunch of mass layoffs and who's getting laid off. Yeah. Um, the, we think about um, all the conversations about like, you know, we're putting money into these, but I'm like the money, um, we're putting money into the black community and by the black community, what these corporations mean is a small percentage of black creators, black artists um, getting this money to do this work. But the actual economic circumstances of black people aren't changing based on these companies' decisions. Um, they just put, you know, a black face on their advertising and say, we're inclusive now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, it's the it's the game. It's, it's that's the game of capitalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think much has changed now. Yeah, no, that's it's fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah one of um, not to call out any particular initiative, but um, the Black North Initiative, um, where the the collection of CEOs have uh, basically um, agreed to the Black North Charter and, and creating diversity in their boards and in management. That's the one that comes to mind. And it has good intentions, mm-hmm. but you know, you do have to question um the how it's been carried out. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest. And you know, I I see this in the company that I work for, and I'm not going to call that name out because I might not have a job next week. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> real, but I, I've yeah. I've seen some of the stuff that goes on with the Black North Initiative in mind, and it's very very surface, like mm-hmm. like you're saying, scribe, very surface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think most people just want, and this is where like I like to. I don't like calling out black people for things that aren't black people's fault, mm. but I do. I think this is, this is the scenario where I think I try and get our people to attention is if the material conditions of 10% of the black population increases, that's not of benefit to black people as a whole. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's if like, I would love, I'll, I'll put out a, I'll put out a, a statement knowing that like it won't have consequence for me. I would love for Nike to give me a bag. I would love thousand dollars <laughs> in my pocket, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But if it if it meant that nobody else who looked like me, or you know, only my friends, were gonna get money, I would not call that a black win. Yeah, yeah. I would say this was this is a win for me individually as a black as this black man. Yeah. Um, but if you want to say you're doing things for black people, it shouldn't be like my 15 black friends or my 15 black employees. It should be the material conditions of the people who make the culture uh, that you participate in and that you actively exploit better. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Like I I think about uh, the, the neighborhood I was born in and the neighborhoods I do work in. And if, you know, uh, even, I think about how much markup they make on a shoe, right? Mm. They spend less than $5 to make a shoe, sell them for 120. Yeah. They do that all around the world. Yeah. They sell millions of pairs. Instead of giving, if you're really committed to justice, if you're really committed to making the, the lives of black people better, the people who make your product cool and allow you to sell at the capacity that you do, if you can make the material conditions for one neighborhood, change 
thousand dollars a month to a family mm -hmm. could change a life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 For me, that's a third of my rent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you if you give me the needs, if you give my people the needs to meet their material conditions, instead of worrying about how much surplus you can put in your pocket by putting my face on a product and selling more because now you have a black face on a product, yeah. that would mean substantially more and do substantially more for us as a people yeah. because then you're actually helping a people mm -hmm. versus helping a few people. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I don't think corporations even have that in their nature to consider. No, no. never have. Um, <laughs> never no, have. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. the, the um, you know, corporations like that, their bottom line, what's on their minds, their collective minds as the corporation, as a as an individual, as it's seen in, in the law, is mm -hmm. the shareholder. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. it. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah. this uh, I don't say this very often, Scribe. This is, um, you know, we're 60 episodes in. This is this has been an important conversation. Mm. And I, I, I really, really do appreciate uh, your insight. Um, and we don't have people back very often. I think this is maybe the second time we've <laughs> we've had someone back. But we we appreciate your initiative and, and your well-spoken thoughts, man. Honestly, it's Thank been you. great. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That means a lot to me. You, yeah. Do you have anything else to add before we wrap up, man? Um, I think I want to talk. We we did a lot of a lot of heavy today. Yeah, we did. We did. Uh, oh yeah, a poem for that you wrote to yeah. your daughter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do this last one. Uh, so in the 14 poems I wrote to her, um, I didn't want them all to be heavy. Uh, I wanted to give her things to help navigate. Um, to help navigate anti-blackness in Canada, Canadian anti-blackness specifically. Mm -hmm. And um, some of those things were lessons about, um, you know, the, the evil in the system or how to co combat individual prejudice or to look for justice. Um, but I think the most important thing, at least for me as a father, um, and speaking to my own inner child, I think the one thing I wanted to know when I was young is that I was loved. Mm -hmm. I think that security as a black person when you know the world hates you you can at least go home uh, and your home is a safe space and your home is is full of all of that you need yeah as a, as a human being not just a black person but as a human being uh that was the most important thing to me uh so i wrote this this the last poem to my daughter in this book uh it's called black girl you are loved uh and so i'll read that as like the closing I hope with all my heart that when you are grown, time having gifted you the opportunity to become yourself, that you will come home. I hope that your heart swells in the driveway, cheeks full of anticipation, my front door and arms wide, my chest a familiar welcome. I hope with all my heart that I have loved your mother more every second of the decades past. That when you see her, you see a life filled with honest friendship and the expansive possibilities that come with love. How a home swells when a child is born. How it can remain so when they leave to create their own. I hope with all my heart that you walk the gallery walls that she will have inevitably created to memorialize all our glory days. That you will gaze upon our deep laugh lines, tracing your finger along the picture frames. Daydream of your childhood. But long for the days you did not pay bills, but long for nothing more. I hope with all my heart that you adore the hue of our skin that intensifies under summer sun, the thickness of your curls that salute the sky. I hope your beauty is always obvious to you and still, somehow, an unending wonder. But you know your mind sharp as your cut eye and its burdens far kinder than mine. I hope you see the spines of the books I've written, this one included, and know your existence colored my perspective and creativity, that all pressure as an artist was removed the day I knew I could never create anything more wondrous than you. The black girl, I pray you come home to us a woman, grown and happy and whole, and that you know through all time that you are loved. That's awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, man. 
very thank much. You very uh, much. Thank you very much for that, man. That was awesome. That was good. For real, man. Touch yeah. uh you, you touched some spots there, my brother. Um mm-hmm. for sure. Um and even just what you said before, um, you know, just prior to reading that poem is, you know, feeling love and uh you know that's uh that's an important message uh that we have to pass on to our kids because you know if you don't have that you're you know you're you're fighting you're fighting so uh, i just want to say man uh thanks again for coming in thanks thanks for sharing your insight your self-awareness um your words especially your words are very powerful and inspiring so keep doing what you do man and uh you know i'm a fan uh uh you know we're we're allies and uh you know mm-hmm. we're we're you know as cliche as they say it's we're all in this together and it's uh absolutely cool to, it's cool to have these uh conversations with people to learn from each other learn what we're up against and to 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 uh educate some people with these conversations with what some people are afraid to talk about you know what i'm saying so oh, thanks definitely. man yeah thank y'all yeah. for having me i appreciate you Thank you, Scribe. Thank you, man. Yeah, man. Word. You have been listening to Down Home. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. From the one down below To the future of the funk Getting lost in the flow Contact with the spot McX Now it's time to flex With the force from the soul Reaching all aspects Getting deep No time to sleep As you reach your next phase Laying it all on the line New trail start to blaze It's a fire inside A brand new path Breaking down the sum to one Feeling free I just laugh With the joy of the song Breaking new ground from the breakdown. Like magic prescribed, only to see the perfect blend like a diamond in the rough. Ready to drop a perfect gem, it's time to shine so fine to see what you find. Revolution starts with.